How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, Mel King, At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Bears. Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. Oh, yes. Whenever you hear that one song, it is always great to speak to that one man. And he is Mark Brody. And he joins us on the Signature Bank Score Hotline. Signature Bank. Making commercial banking personal. Brody time! Hey, Mark, how are you, bud? Good morning, Molly. Good morning, Hall. Hope you guys are doing great this morning. What's going on? How are you doing? I, I'm doing well. The day, after, been, yeah. the day after, finally, things started to get going. You know, this is what we, we've all, in some way, shape, or form, Haw, been working for that moment yesterday where the season <laughs> is over and all we are talking about is the things that Ryan Poles is saying about trying to make this team better and not having to ever deal with a 10 game losing streak in a season like that again. So how much better will they get, Mark? If if you you know Dustin thinks they're going to win nine games next year, which I I was, uh, you know, you kind of freeze like what? I mean, they won three. Um, clearly, the losing will end at some point, right? They're going to get a pretty decent team together. They got money. They got the first pick. They should be able to add. Uh, I don't know eight starters, nine starters. <laughs> how many do they need? And uh, And how much better does that signal? Yeah, I mean, you obviously are going to need a ton of new starters. But the thing that Ryan Pohl said yesterday was, and I guess any GM would have to say this, that there will be a measured approach to it. That just because they have all of that dough doesn't mean they're going to go crazy and spend it all, that they're going to be smart about it. They are still going to consider the the draft to be the place where they want to really build their team. So while it is the NFL, and I don't think Dustin is actually crazy for saying nine wins next year, I do think that we all saw this roster this year. We all endured the 10-game losing streak, and there are some serious holes on this team that can't just you can't just patch them up this year I mean there there was patchwork done last year and it didn't matter because the season was about what it was about but this year cannot be and I mean obviously there's going to be some positions where it's going to feel like they didn't uh you know get to a 10 and maybe it will look like or feel like patchwork but you know there there has to be a jump 
go next year for sure where we're at the very least at the very least you feel like you are in the absolute correct direction that the the following year you are going to be a force to be reckoned with that you will have what you need to start to have some of that sustained success and we're going to say it again going into next year will your quarterback fully develop because he took massive jumps this year and then there are still some final phases to go for it next year for this team to really take off, be good, be in the playoffs, and maybe get those nine or ten wins that Dustin was talking about. Grody, every team wants to be draft-driven. It's the NFL. Every general sure. manager says that. So when you're Ryan Poles and you have the money that you have and the cap space that they enjoy, you're heading into free agency. I, I don't know if he needs to forecast it, but they do need to be aggressive. When you ha- are asked to list your blue-chip players – and your answer begins with a tight end who has 500 receiving yards, that tells you how wide the talent gap is between you and the playoff team. So I want him to be aggressive going into free agency. I know that's not always the cure-all, but the Bears have no other choice but to go in there and think about getting at least four starters in free agency. I'd love it if they did. I mean, the way he was talking yesterday, I don't know if that'll be the case, David. But And not not to mention that you're right about the, the raving about Cole Komet yesterday a couple of times. And then when asked what are the priorities of this team, he he went right to the to the red meat of the NFL. He said pass rushers, offensive line, and corners. And he didn't hesitate in saying it. And that's what a lot of GMs are thinking. Uh, but but he said it so uh, and we saw last year David that they the, one of the first things that they did was go to free agency and try to get their three technique in Larry Ogunjobi I don't know if he would have been a difference maker but they showed that they were wanting to spend the money same thing with the offensive line with the Ryan Bates thing even though that offer was matched by the Buffalo Bills and we saw him recently uh, you kind of get a glimpse into the kinds of things that Ryan Poles will be interested in spending money on. So hopefully that is the case. And, yeah, if you're going to go get those types of positions, especially at this point, you cannot go cheap on those, especially when you got the dough. Um, you know, I'm always interested in, uh, in, in some of the proposed trades, et cetera. I thought it was really interesting to see Roquan Smith sign a contract for $100 million. Um, and then, of course, the, to hear – um, Ryan Poles say that there's no buyer's remorse on the Chase Claypool trade. Um, I, I don't know if I'm connecting those two things. They just happened in such close proximity. What was your take? Yeah, I mean, on, on Claypool, he, I was a little surprised with the tone that Ryan Poles took on Chase Claypool, that he said that he's not blinking over his production. It was almost as if, hey, no big deal. Uh, and his reasoning was that he was dropped in here with a bunch of guys who had had a full training camp, who had had the games that they played before Chase Claypool got there. So it, it, there was some injury stuff with obviously with Justin Fields, and you know maybe in practice they didn't get to work together enough. So he he laid out all the the exterior excuses for Claypool. And as I've told you guys over and over, you know Claypool did say to me that he can't wait for the OTAs and to have a full season. So. So, I, yeah, I mean, I, I was a little surprised about that tone, but there's still going to be a ton of pressure on, on Chase Claypool. And as far as Roquan Smith is concerned, I, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but, I, I mean, 
that is i'm happy for anybody who bets on themselves and wins it was weird how roquan smith went about it there's no doubt about it with the bears with saint brown and uh, whatever the guy's name is and all the stuff that he did representing himself putting out the the statement for everybody to read about him essentially being one of the classic linebackers of the chicago bears but guess who won in the end in terms of getting exactly what he wanted roquan smith and we'll see we'll see if the bears will eventually benefit from from what they did but they do have to look at that and go oh interesting mark it's always fun to interpret what was said at these kinds of end of the season press conferences but it's also very telling at what wasn't said and when Matt Eberflus was asked about staff changes I feel like he said a lot by saying very little I would expect staff changes based on his answer any ideas about where that might come and how many there might be yeah, I was interested in that as well. And this is the second time that Matt Eberflus has said, you know, we got to sit down and we got to talk and, hey, this is the NFL and things change every single year. So something is coming. And who knows? Maybe he already had met with those coaches. I don't know the specific changes, but I think you do have to start with everybody. And I think you have to have a serious talk with Alan Williams, the defensive coordinator. And I'm not saying that he deserves to be let go, but that was a unit that was bad this year. And a lot of the reason the Bears lost 10 straight games was because the defense allowed offenses to do basically whatever they wanted. He was bereft of talent on the defense with those guys, with Ro- just talking about Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn um, and Khalil Mack and everything you want to talk about with that defense defense but they have to have a serious talk with him and then all of the assistants I mean and you know I think some of it too is you know there there should be with a team that was that poor this year there should be guys that are put on alert but also in the NFL I think part of what Matt Eberflus was talking about is guys do get promoted from those positions often guys move on for whatever reasons that is the nature of the NFL but if, if you don't take a serious look at especially the defensive staff, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. I mean, on, offensively, I mean, we know L- Luke Getze is safe. That is very clear. Justin Fields loves him. Uh, Matt Eberflus loves him. You leave that guy alone and hope that down the road, <laughs> for, for the Bears' sake anyway, that he doesn't get uh, taken away from you via the head coaching gig down the road. Um, there's a rumor out there, DeAndre Hopkins, I, I believe his cap number is over $30 million right now. That's because he's owed $11 million. I think his salary is nineteen point seven five. He He could be traded. He'll be 31, I believe, in June. He missed six games uh, because of a, of a PED uh, suspension to open last season. But he's a wildly productive player when he's available. Um, I, I don't know what they'd be looking for in terms of uh, – of a trade, but would that be a player that would kind of change uh, the Bears a little bit? I mean, you would slot him in as a number one and everybody fall in after him. I, I would think so, yeah. I mean, I think that that would be a good move, and I think those are the kinds of you know creative things that the Bears do have to look at with – this the, the free agent class being what it isn't this year, which was part of why they felt 
the need to do what they did with getting Chase Claypool here. Um, yeah, I think th- th- those are the moves that they wouldn't dare make last year. That's for sure. When that whole list of wide receivers we saw and one by one, they were taken off the board. And now here we are zeroing in on Deandre Hopkins again. And I think that, I think that he does. I mean, there is a little concern about the age, but I think he still has some good years left in him. And I think that that would be a really, and then you add somebody in the draft as well. Mm -hmm. We could be looking at a very promising, like going from what we were, this year where the the bears were depending on a lot of kind of no-name guys it it could look very promising next year as far as the wide receiver but like you said molly you would need somebody like deandre hopkins to make everything fall into place mark when ryan poles was asked about whether or not he would take a quarterback with the number one overall pick he said he would have to be blown away to draft one to me that was as close of a commitment to justin field's as was necessary under those circumstances. Nothing he said made me question his commitment to Justin Fields yesterday necessarily. But what did you hear? And when you hear him talk about the need to improve in the passing game, is is that just objectivity? Is that just – I I don't view that as a lack of commitment at all, even though some people might interpret it that way. No, I don't think it is at all. I mean, I think that what I really liked about a lot of the press conference yesterday is that it, that Ryan Poles did not insult anybody's sensibilities, that he saw what we saw. And there are lots of things that we don't see that they see as professionals in their jobs, but we all saw Justin Fields. He said Justin Fields did a good job. That's the exact right tone to take. He did a good job last year, and and he said that he has to get better as a passer. That That's what we all saw. That's what we all know. That's what Justin Fields is saying. So I thought that that was the exact right tone. He left just enough little space with the exact right uh, wording to say that he – I mean, I, I think that that would even satisfy Justin Fields. You know what I mean? Like if he's listening and he's thinking, oh, man, is, what's he going to say about the number one overall pick in me? And he said it had to be blown away by Bryce Young or Will Levis or, or any of the C.J. Stroud. So I, I, I would I'd probably say the same thing. You know, I mean, <laughs> when, when, I, when I actually do my in-depth studies, I'm going to say the same thing. Like, like in, unless one of these guys looks generational – then it's Justin Fields' gig. So I thought everything he said about Justin Fields checked out with what I was thinking about him and, quite frankly, what what people in the locker room are probably thinking about Justin Fields as well. I, I love that. I, I, was it just one question for Flusi? And, it, and you know, he was just matter-of-factly, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to fire someone. I'll launch someone's arms. No, you didn't say that. I'm paraphrasing. But that's kind of what I heard. Like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that that if, if if we may, can we just stop this thing and ask Matt Eberflus a question really quickly? <laughs> I, I, I I will tell you, like you, I, I've been in the 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 Theo Epstein Jed Hoyer <laughs> yeah, press conference. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, the, yeah, back in the day where it's Theo answering everything and Jed just kind of sitting patiently, looking a little uncomfortable, and I think media members feeling a little comfortable. I'll tell you what. I was not uncomfortable for Matt Eberflus yesterday because he looked very, very prominent and very happy to be there. And like he looked, he played the part well of the first lieutenant because he's got that Matt Eberflus look. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that stern yeah. look. Like I am here for you if you need me. I got your back. I am your security. He's got the the stern look. So I think he looked very comfortable in his place as first lieutenant to Ryan Poles. And quite frankly, when you're a coach and you just got done talking 
talking, you know, five days a week or whatever it is and having to answer for this team. Matt Eberflus was probably happy as could be to have somebody there to actually try to answer for this team. So well, they had the right very comfortable. They had the right two guys at the podium. They they had the right two guys there. This was a end of the season press conference that was without error, without clumsiness or awkwardness. And that to me was a win overall. Mark, question though, you talked about your in-depth studies that you're going to do. When you do those, I wonder <laughs> if you're going to if you're going to publish those, but if there if you have to answer the question that Ryan Poles was asked yesterday about blue chip talent, does your list start with Cole Komet? Who would be at the top of <laughs> who who would be at the top of your list right under Justin Fields? In terms of blue chip uh, players on this roster, that's yeah, right, coming back right, for next right, year right. right now. I'll be honest; it probably would not have been Chase Claypool that I would have mentioned right off the bat. I mean, we we learned that I, I guess blue chip Justin Fields, um, uh, Jaquan Brisker, maybe Kyler Gordon. Um, Jalen Johnson. What about Jalen Johnson? Uh, Jalen Johnson for sure. Yes. J- oh my God, Jalen Johnson. Just because he's been gone, you forget yep. about him. Jalen Johnson, blue chip, absolutely. I guess Eddie, can Eddie Jackson be that? that be, because yeah. he's a veteran. Yeah. I mean, Eddie Jackson is a possibility. Obviously, there's nobody on the defensive line. Nobody on the ends. Uh, I, well, <laughs> Jack Sanborn, obviously, blue chip prospect. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I I have to always like give the discount. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but who knows what Jack Sanborn will become? So that's that's yeah. That's really about it. And I probably wouldn't have started with Cole Komet, but I will say that this adds up with the way Matt Eberflus and the assistants talked about Cole Komet this year. I mean, Cole Komet and David Montgomery seem to be the two guys that were consistently graded the highest in terms of when they would talk about guys and say this is th- those are the two guys that sort of represent the most of what they stand for. So that that's why, you know, the, I wasn't shocked they were raving about Cole Komet, but I don't know if I would put him there. I'm curious, Mark. I was surprised at the candor of one Justin Jones at the uh, at the the um, the exit interviews yeah. and saying that there was a lot of constructive criticism and that he talked about the communication issues. It was it was really interesting because I really hadn't. I just had thought of the front seven more or less as like I replaced that. But they apparently went through some hard times because they weren't communicated with, and they felt bad about it, and they and they let the coaches know about it, which all of that surprised me. Um, what was your takeaway from his comments? Yeah, I I was very surprised, very surprised. Uh, you know, just listening to I was I was obviously there that day, and it's like, huh, wow, he he is into something here and what we're able to find out in the locker room is that you know that they just were not happy about the the Roquan Smith trade that was a big deal to them and even to a slightly lesser level Robert Quinn they they felt like they were I don't know blindsided I guess blindsided probably is a pretty good way to put it they felt like that now it's one of those situations where Ryan Poles has to play the sorry not sorry card 
and Paul's is still at that point in his career where he does feel that stuff, like the human side of things. But I do think that that was what it was all about and not, you know, not feeling like saying there's an open door policy, but kind of saying there's not really an open door policy. And that unfortunately, that was not one of the things that we're able to, to get to yesterday in the limited time. I wish we would have. And I'm sure that down the road, I, I promise you, I will ask about that. Well, and try to find out in that context, Grody, then isn't it a contradiction to embrace this idea that the Bears have this healthy culture? If that's what they're leaning yeah, yeah, into absolutely. at the end of the season and you have a player like Justin Jones as outspoken as he is, is citing chapter and verse about how there are grievances. And that is his word. Yeah. that he used yeah absolutely a hundred percent and they these teams knock you know hit us over the head with the culture talk because because they know that they're bad on the field so the last thing they can do the last thing they could do is lose the locker room so they got to tell us how good the practices are they got to tell us how good the culture is they got to tell us how good these teams this these guys have been during the 10 game losing streak when quite frankly that wasn't all true and why would it be true you lost 10 straight games there had to have been some issues with the if, if you even want to call it the culture i'd call it human nature that when you lose like that, when you're losing players like that, and you're left to answer for it and to not have those guys by your side, I mean, I think it's human nature to get a little upset. That's why when the the Chase Claypool thing, I, I know, uh, David, you and I don't agree on the, the Claypool thing, but that's why when that went down, I, I was actually like, I'm okay with with somebody and even Chase Claypool overheating on the sideline and then saying subsequently what he did say because it ain't no, like even though all that happened even though it's quote unquote okay it was not okay a lot of times the way the Bears played this year and you don't get a complete pass. Um, you know what's interesting is he talks about Jones and he he um he felt that you know he led the team in tackles for a lot. I think they're upgrading that position, but Jones is a guy that would fit with them, he's, and he's under contract for another year. He also talked about Riley Reef of all yeah. people, and I, and it made me wonder: Do they see like a a potential swing tackle role for him moving forward? They probably want to get a starter at right tackle, but could he actually stick around, or am I reading too much into his career? I, I would say probably not, yeah. but not out of the question. And I, I only say that because I thought that his comment, this is the way I read it anyway, yeah. that that he was saying like just what a help Riley Reef was, kind of a, th hey, thank you for yeah. all that you did. That and, and, and he did, though, like when they – after the Washington game, the famous mini buy, you know, Riley Reef, that, that's about where Larry Borum, I know Borum was injured, but then he never reclaimed his starting job at the right tackle. And that wasn't just because of injury. Right. That was because he was struggling and Riley Reef restored order. So I think that was part of what it is. So he knows he could do it. You know, and, and yeah, I guess it, he probably wouldn't have hurt as a depth piece. And we don't know if Riley Reef wants to continue to play. I mean, I know how much he talks about how much he loves football and all that kind of stuff. But, it, it, you know, I think that that was more of just a thumbs up to what he did this season for that team. Yeah, it was more of a self-congratulations on a great free agent signing. Probably. probably. Good stuff, Mark. <laughs> Mark, you're the best, buddy. Always Talk a joy. To, All right, Always pal. a joy. See God you, guys. Bye. That is our guy, Mark Grody. Always fun to talk to Mark. Interesting yeah. all the way around. Yeah, I'm, I don't think that they get better at that position by bringing back Riley Reef. Well, I, listen. I, I mean, he did a serviceable job when he was healthy. What I was thinking is, you know, he's a veteran guy that came in 
and bailed him out, could could you use him as a third tackle? Now the problem is maybe you could use Braxton Jones as a third tackle, yeah. David. Right? right. So so I I'm not I'm not saying that. I was just surprised that he said nice things about him. He did. He 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 went yeah. out of his way. Yeah. Lucy has been consistent with talking about right. Riley Reef. Right. And even Tom Thayer didn't he tell us Monday yes, morning? He did. That he had a pretty good second half of the season. So I just think that's something worth you know looking at. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Now, we're talking a lot about Justin for obvious reasons, but what are the other players that you have in-house now that you sort of identify as, as potential blue-chip guys that will be a part of the championship ascent? Yeah, I mean, the one that stands out to me this year, I was just proud of, and I spent time with him talking about it, but I thought Cole did a really good job. I thought he elevated his game from the film that I watched last year to what it was this year, um, so that's exciting. Um, that's, I mean, that's one that comes to mind right now. Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score. Wow. So that was, you heard Ryan Poles answer Dan Wiederer's question. We'll talk to Dan at 8 o'clock. Molly, you said that you pulled over went to listen to yes. the press conference and to, so you could focus more. Yeah. I was driving when I heard that and wished I would have pulled over because I was like, oh, my gosh. Did he really just say Cole Komet is the first player that came to mind? Yeah. I have a lot of respect for Cole Komet, the tight end and the blocker and the catcher and all those things. But if I am listing blue chip talent on my roster and that is the first name that comes to mind, my goodness sakes, are you talent deficient? Well, I mean, here's the thing. I, um, I don't know. If you're listing – the tight ends in the NFL, where does Cole Komet fit? So it's like, if that's your blue chip player, I, I thought Cole Komet improved throughout the course of the year, and I think he's a really good guy. And, you know, we love the Chicago guys made. No doubt about okay? it. That, that, but, but, I mean, he's, it, it, does this mean that he's going to give Cole Komet a, an extension in the offseason? It likely means that. Exactly that's what it means. That's the way I read into it. Yeah, that's what This I was is a wondering. core piece, though. This is a foundational piece. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't even have a problem with them stating that and rewarding that. He had 21 catches for 188 yards in his final five games. He finished strong. We know that he is as competitive as you want your Chicago Bears ideal player to be. I just think that when you are – listing him or it comes to mind as far as your talent uh, in your locker room, it says a lot about your depth chart. Well, I, I think this is what I'm afraid of, David. I think that it's conceivable 
that you can get a false positive. If, you, if you're running an offensive line out there and nobody is playing particularly well and Riley Reef is a veteran professional type of player, it's easy to misjudge a professional effort for something more than that. And, and let's take a listen to what he had to say about Riley Reef. We spent time with Riley Reef yesterday. That guy did more than a lot of people think for that old line room and the, and the mentality. I think I talked about when I first got here. Like I wasn't fired up on how we protected the quarterback in terms of getting him off the ground and that attitude and that physicality. He's the reason why we ran the ball so well. We finished. We had an attitude. We had an identity. And that's a lot because of guys like him. The draft, I thought a lot of those guys contributed, wired the right way. Some had success early and sustained it for the whole season. Some have a ways to go, but they're wired the right way, and, and they're going to help us moving forward. So if you recall, he talked about, you know, protecting the quarterback and running over and being the tough guy. Apparently he saw that with Riley Reef. Now, Riley Reef was was basically signed on the cusp of training. They, they had already – the season was beginning, and they brought him in because they didn't have a lot. And and so he saw that as a success. Is it possible that it's a success because of the mediocrity of well, the players around him? Of and, course. Everything. And the same question holds up for Cole Komet. Is it possible that he looked as good as he did because they didn't have – he was the only 500-yard receiver. Right. Everything's re- everything is relative when That's you talk about a team that lost 14 games. Yes. There's no doubt about that. Moving forward, though, as you evaluate this roster, that to me – it, it, and again, we're we're parsing every answer because you only get this opportunity to hear from him at, very infrequently. So I, I understand, but I would have started with, I would have thought that on defense, your secondary is where your strength is. That's your strongest position group, besides Justin Fields, who is undoubtedly the the most talented player on this roster. Then. Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Brisker, Kyler Gordon. Those are guys that I think that you could make the argument have that kind of blue player type of blue chip potential. Offensively, it is relative. Everything is going to be, you know, they're going to look better by comparison. Cole Komet is your, your most productive receiver because you don't have a receiving core that had any receiver have 500 yards for the first time since 1989 so yeah it's a good point I don't think Riley Reef, unless it's in a limited role I don't think they go into next season with him penciled in as a, as a starting tackle or if they do something has oh, gone no, terribly wrong no. in, in in free yeah. agency no no I, I'm not suggesting that um, one of the things he did mention is that they led the NFL in rookie snaps by almost a thousand by almost a thousand. So the idea, his idea was that these guys had played and as they move forward, the game's going to slow down. And the value of playing these guys, you know, some of these guys may never be heard from again, David. That's the reality of it. You were just, you were just putting bodies out there. Um, I get it. You know, he's, he sees development. He thinks that guys that played are going to have a better chance of playing moving forward. And he thinks that the depth of the team is now increased because all these guys have played. So if they're called upon, it's not like they're worried about the speed of the game. They already know that they can't handle the speed of the game or whatever his 
logic may be. But I don't want them to have a thousand extra thousand snaps for rookies ever again. No, I don't think so. I, I was surprised at that number, and he was proud of it. I think that you're going to get that when you have the kind of attrition the Bears went through and the kind of injuries they suffered. 14 losses, you're going to play a lot of guys who will never be part of the roster next year. That's what I mean when you talk about, and it goes back to the talking about the culture and the carryover effect. And I asked Matt Eberflus after Sunday's game if what – what relevance does that have? How important is that when you have the reality that a lot of these guys aren't going to be part of a team when they're actually good? So uh, it's it's very difficult to to see a lot of these rookies who contributed to that number being guys that you rely upon moving forward. There are going to be some. I mean, Braxton Jones is a guy that was interesting. I think because they are fairly – objective about what he is and what he isn't at this stage of his career. And they know that he is very much a guy that intangibles solid. You like his makeup. You just need him to get better. You need him to get stronger. I mean, I was proud of Braxton. He's got a long ways to go to reach his ceiling. Um, but for his path, and if you look at a lot of, not many people look at the schedule for a player who, you know, goes into the offseason, senior bowl, combine, comes in as a fifth-round pick, battles through camp, gets a spot, and then plays every single snap through the season. That's an accomplishment right there. That tells me he's wired right. He's got mental toughness, uh, rode the ups and downs. Um, so I'm hoping that he continues to work on his body, his technique, and, and that's someone that we can play with and be successful with for a while. Yeah, um, okay. I I. I... I think you got to get better at that position. And, and I mean, maybe he can get better if he spends a lot of time in the weight room. I, I wonder if he can do it in a year. I wonder if, if he can improve enough by the start of next season, um, even if he's on a very uh, strict lifting regimen. You know, I, I think it's important for him to do that, but I'm not sure uh, – I don't know that he doesn't need a couple of years. I mean, normally guys that are um, – He might, but he's not expensive while guys. he grows. No, no, no. I'm that's, not saying yeah. he's expensive. I'm talking about the quality of the player. Sure. I, I mean, that's not I'm – not, I'm not sitting here – you know, I mean, it's it's one thing to say um, – I, I just – I guess what I worry about is that you over-evaluate your own guys because you're, you're seeing them. And even if – with a guy like Cole Komet, you know what is he? Is he like middle of the road in the NFL as a tight end? Is he is he pretty much middle of the pack? That that's a compliment. I, I'm not I'm not downgrading him, but don't you need if if you're gonna call a guy a blue chip player, shouldn't he be among the top five or ten? Well, ideally, that's what you think when you think blue chip players. And what what I think that when you're as bad as the Bears are, right. then you're going to want to accentuate the positives and the positives this season. Cole Komet was one of them. Braxton Jones was one of right. them. And on that offensive line, uh, Riley Reef was one of them. So these are the guys that are going to get the attention. And it just it's all about understanding what they – putting the putting the compliments into context. And in the, in the context of the Bears, they might be the best that they have. But in relation to the rest of the league, you know where they stand. You know where they rank. So moving forward, the idea is to get more – blue chip talent around these guys and everybody gets better as a result. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I, um, 
I'm not picking apart everything he said. I genuinely appreciated that the guy talked, and he. I, I mean, I would have liked to heard more, but I thought he did a pretty good job, and I think that um, he was forthright about what the plan is. And they've got to get better. they got to get a lot better. And um, I think he understands that. And the very fact that you could name one blue chipper, it, and maybe he's not a blue chipper, is it? Un, it's kind of underscores where they're at. You need whatever, nine, ten of those guys, right, if you really want to be a good team. So they got a lot of work cut out for them, and, and they can't do it all in one off season. But um, I, I just want to make sure that they're evaluating what they have. I, I'm hoping, David, that next year when we see this team, we'll see a team – that is significantly better than they were this year, and then maybe some of the the judgments we we make about people will be held to a different standard than they were based on, you know, he was really good on a team with a bunch of rookies having a thousand more. Well, that's average. part of the sustaining success, and, and I guess that is the idea, and that's the challenge of the off season to go into free agency and the draft, and you're going to be able to surround these blue chippers right now with even better talent. The, the last thing I think in terms of like this, when you look back and what yesterday when they were accentuating the positives, I didn't realize this until looking closer, but when he talked about the thousand rookie snaps and the, the team being good in terms of discipline, did you know the Bears only had one unsportsmanlike conduct penalty right. and, and one unnecessary roughness all season long? And one of those was, remember when the, the Trenton Gill, didn't he wipe the, the spot clean? for the field goal attempt as that was the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. So for such a young team and such a bad team having to overcome certain things that they out of their control in terms of the talent deficiency for them not to lose their cool more often and have those kinds of penalties that you see bad teams have like they did under Matt Nagy, that's a credit to the coaching here. So that's probably one of those things that yesterday was a, a positive that they pointed out. And that was an interesting one that, uh, I didn't realize that. 312-644-6767. Should we, uh, should we hear from Shady McCoy when we come back? He had some nasty things to say about Justin Fields. He says receivers don't want to play with him. He said that, and yeah. he has been consistent with his criticism of the uh-huh. guy. Well, let's, let's take a listen. Maybe it's some pit thing. Maybe he uh, he's, doesn't like the Ohio State uh, Georgia guy because he's from Pitt. I, I'm, that's a reach. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. I don't want to say I'm hating, but I got to be honest. You're, you're hating. The, the problem with this team is, I'm being serious, the problem with this team is they can run the ball well. They have some pretty good running backs, right? Mm-hmm. Montgomery's a, is a baller, Montgomery. right? Herbert's a baller, too. They all can run the ball. The problem is when you stop these guys and they can't run the ball and you make him throw, that's the issue. Because now anybody oh, to throw to. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to the score. That is Shady McCoy. That was earlier in the year, uh, him talking about uh, Justin Fields, and he's not a fan. In November, he he started this conversation. He clearly is not a fan. You wonder about the personal feelings getting in the way of his professional judgment. That is always – you wonder that with ex-players because – Objectively, he can he can critique Justin Fields as a passer and point out his limitations, but it doesn't sound like he's giving him the respect that I think a quarterback like that would deserve or has already earned. 
but he clearly, Molly, is not a fan of Justin Fields. Justin Fields, you know he ranks 31st in, in pass uh, completions mm-hmm. percentage, yep. right? He's last in yards per game passing. So just as bad as his defense was, throwing the ball and being efficient with completions, he's the same. He was bad. So my thing is, when I really look at what the, what the GM said, like, ah, he might need to go out there and get a quarterback. Because the most important position in football is the quarterback. And our quarterback couldn't pass the ball at all. He was last in yards per game and completions. He was 30. If we got to pass the ball, this is a passing league now. To who? That's my thing. It works the same way. Because if you ask my receivers, which I've asked, how do you feel about Justin Fields as a passer? They don't want to go there and play for him. Well, if they're getting drafted, the right. they don't have a choice. They're right. going to go to Chicago. I'm, so a, draft, I'm just saying, it works both ways from the quarterback. He needs help. Wide receivers, like, we need help. Well, Justin Fields in college is running an offense where receivers are running crossers, running goals, running double posts, and everybody's wide open. Sure. Joe Burrow was running much more of a pro-style offense in college, so it's easier to evaluate how Joe Burrow would translate his game in the same manner that I think it's easier to evaluate how Bryce Young's game would translate. Dave, you said something I agree with, actually, in that Justin Fields is not Ryan Pohl's guy. No. And that's why I don't think this is smokescreen. That, that is interesting stuff. That is uh, Shady McCoy. He's talking to uh, to the former Bear. How about that, uh, Emmanuel uh, Acho? <laughs> well, I think that he is saying uh, what he says about receivers not wanting to come to play with Justin Fields. I don't know what he's basing that on. Uh, who is he? Who is he talking to? I, and, and and just let me ask you this: in yeah. terms of a a very practical application of this theory because I don't buy it. Okay, DeAndre Hopkins, hypothetically, has $34.3 million left on his contract for two more years. Yeah. If the Bears want to tear that up and they can strike a deal with the next general manager of the Arizona Cardinals with whatever draft capital they accrue and they're willing to pay him whatever they're willing to pay him because they have all that money under the cap, do you think DeAndre Hopkins is going to resist that kind of new deal because he doesn't want to play with Justin Fields? I don't. Yeah, I, I, I think money talks. Is, is that your question? That's what I'm saying. Yes. That's always the case. Right. So, and if you don't want to be part of what Justin Fields is right now, be fair and imagine what he can be once you do surround him with better teammates, with a better offense, with a better offensive line and receivers. That, to me, has got to be where you are philosophically about the Bears if you buy everything that you heard yesterday from Ryan Poles? You know, it, it's interesting because I, I wonder if um, – I just wonder when we talk about Ryan Poles and the foundations he talked about setting up, is there is there any sort of um, contradiction to the idea that he feels like the team was tougher and that he got phone calls from opponents saying how tough you are. And then in the next breath, he's saying that they were more disciplined and that they didn't have these personal fouls, whatever. Do, doesn't, isn't there an element with some of those personal fouls of toughness? I mean, isn't there, if somebody messes with you, maybe you have to go outside the lines or outside the whistle? It's an, it's an interesting way to look at it. I think that I would compliment him for knowing where the line is and getting just close enough to where they play hard, but they don't cross the line. I think that that's what he's trying to say yesterday. But your point is well taken. Sometimes you don't mind. You don't mind 
the 15-yarder if it sends a message that you're not going to mess with my quarterback, that you're not going to do this to this team, and it, it's, a, it's a message that you need to send to be a tough-minded football team. I get it. It's a, it's a physical sport. Supposedly, the Boston Celtics, you know, Bill Russell comes into the NBA, was one of the great dominant players, one of the great defensive centers in the history of the NBA, if not the best. And initially, he would shy away from a certain amount of contact. And Red Auerbach went to him and said, listen, I know you don't want to throw an elbow in that situation, but do me a favor, go out there and throw an elbow. Just throw one elbow. That's all you need. And Bill Russell went out there, and he threw an elbow, and he never had to throw another one because it was a nationally televised game. Everybody saw him throw an elbow. Everybody saw the result of him throwing an elbow. And it it, it was a statement of a personal foul sure. that that was – you know, obviously beyond the scope of the game, but there, it did set a tone. There are good fouls. There are smart penalties, I think is what you're trying to say. That's what I'm saying. I understand that. I can respect that. I, I, I think that in the context of a team trying to establish an identity, you would forgive that. The Bears didn't do that. I, I, I And I, I'm thinking out loud here because I did compliment it, and I do think that it did show you that this was a team that had – Responded to coaching. There was evidence of coaching found in the fact that they were not penalized a lot. But I think that you do have to look at the other aspect of that. If you're trying to establish a mindset, a mentality, then you would be more forgiving if those things were occurring. I you, get it. You don't it's want, football. You don't want people calling you up to congratulate you oh, on your toughness nice, after they just kicked your nice job. Exactly. Pat you on the, on I'm the helmet. I'm sorry, man. Win. It, that's that, it. That Ten was a, game losing streak. Oh boy, you guys really played hard, but lost by twenty. They said, "Boy, did we really go at it?" Yeah, well, no, you, it's because your team thought you're, you're. You know, we came into the game knowing you guys weren't good enough to beat us, and you hung in there for a while. Why, way to go, coach! That, that, Fantastic stuff. That was the best effort we've ever seen from a team we beat by twenty. I mean, really. I'm just saying, that, like a lot of this stuff, whatever it Fair might enough. be, when you when you lose 10 games in a row, when you produce the worst season, the most losses in a single season in team history, you're not allowed to really pick apart the the uh, the, the fact that you had uh, teamwork and you had uh, you know a lot. No one really complained. You know, of Fair course enough. not, because you were just getting. Beaten like a drum. Let me close the loop on this. So I'll ask you a question. So is it okay if I dismiss Shady McCoy's criticism as something that sounds more personal than uh, a personal slight or a personal opinion or whatever the case may be? I don't know that I take that as gospel that players, receivers don't want to play with Justin Fields because Shady McCoy said so. And that's fine. I mean, you know, pick and choose whatever criticism you want, Mr. David. No one's going to stand <laughs> in your way. Well, I just say I, I'm with you. I, I don't know. I think there's a level of truth to everything. I don't think it's, I, you know, life is a gray area. You, you can be critical without getting personal. And that sounded personal okay, to me. That's fair. What about Dustin when he criticizes Roquan Smith? That's a different story. Okay. We'll bring in Dan Weeder. <laughs> now he's shaking his head at me. It's a joke. We'll bring in Dan Weeder. We'll talk to him next. It's fucking on the score. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. 
Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com.